A preview into this week's matchup against Kansas State, Pete's picks and projections, a look at the slate for this weekend, and the conference standings through five weeks. This is Pete's Playbook. That's not true! So get your facts straight. Are you kidding me? That's all I got to say. Makes me want to puke. It is time for another edition of the Pete's Playbook Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jonathan McKee, and we've got Kansas State coming into Stillwater on a Friday night blackout game. Kansas State's coming in at 3-1, 1-0 in conference, third place in the conference. Oklahoma State sitting at 2-2, 0-1 in the conference, 10th place overall. And this one's not looking good, folks. Kansas State comes in. Averaging 198.5 rushing yards a game, 283.8 passing yards a game, and 39.5 points a game. While Oklahoma State's defense is giving up 137.5 rushing yards, 233.8 passing yards, and 23.8 points a game. Now Oklahoma State is also averaging 121.8 rushing yards, 221.8 passing yards, and 22 points a game. The problem is Kansas State's defense. While their rushing defense is tops in the conference at 73.3 yards allowed rushing, they also have the worst passing defense in the conference, allowing 264.3 yards through the air. But they're only giving up 18.5 points. Now Gundy, after saying that they were going to figure out who's starting this weekend, did come out and say that Alan Bowman's going to be the starter and that he's been receiving 60% of the snaps through practice. Now hopefully... What we see this weekend is an offense that is much more on the same page. We don't have receivers running different routes than what the quarterback thinks. We have an offensive line that's not jumping off sides or false starts because they're used to the quarterback cadence. And we see a more balanced offensive game across the board. I would also like to see the decision-making from Alan Bowman take a step up. He had two picks last week, sorry, two weeks ago, that didn't look... Real great. They were just bad decisions. So we'll have to see what the offense can put together. But the defense is going to have to step it up and really lock down on the back end. I'm not worried about the rushing game for Kansas State. Our rushing defense has been pretty solid all year as long as the tackling stays good. But the passing defense is where we could get cut up a little bit. Again, Kansas State coming in, averaging 283.8 yards a game through the air. And we got torched to freshman quarterback Rocco Becht at Iowa State. Guys running wide open, left and right, missed coverages, bad communication. A couple of the defensive players have come out and said that the communication's better. They've been working on it all week. And they don't expect you to see the same thing that we saw last week or two weeks ago. But that's where we're going to have to shore this up. We're also going to have to keep Kansas State out of the end zone. They are averaging almost 40 points a game right now. There is no shot that our offense scores 40 points in this game. No shot. Kansas State quarterback Will Howard also came out and said that two years ago, Mike Gundy had confused him for a different quarterback and said that he was hope- he hoped that he was feeling better and wished that he had got to play against him. And Will Howard's like, uh, you did. But either way, I think they all know exactly who they're going up against this, this weekend. It's a Will Howard that has the potential to cut some defenses up, but he also has the potential to throw quite a few interceptions. Now, it's also a rushing game for Kansas State that's averaging 198.5 yards a game. 
While I think our rushing defense will be able to slow that down quite a bit, only average, only giving up 137 yards a game, we're going to have to have better than that. You're going to have to set the edge. The running backs are fast. You're going to have to be on your game and sure up tackles because if you have missed tackles like we have all year, they're going to cut us up on the ground too. Now with all of that said, it just kind of feels like Oklahoma State may be gunning for an upset here. Mike Gundy following a bye week since 2005 is 27 and 16. Chris Kleinman following a bye week since he got to Kansas State is 4 and 6. Gundy over that same time frame is 8 and 4. Now Mike Gundy against the spread since 2005 is 125 and 98, 39 and 28 since 2018. Chris Kleinman against the spread after a bye week is 4 and 6. Now with all that being said, it's a night game in Stillwater a blackout on a Friday night coming off a bye week. Normally, I would say, well, Kansas State's coming off a bye week, so we don't really get a boost from that. But there's just something in the air that feels like we might be able to pull this off. I don't know what it is. I've got absolutely nothing to back it up, but it's in the air. But if we take a look at the numbers, it tells a very, very different story. The projections based off the numbers for this week against Kansas State have Oklahoma State rushing for 97.5 yards, and passing for 243. They have Kansas State rushing for 168 yards and passing for 259. And all of that boils down to a final score of 32-20, to 20, Kansas State coming out with the win. as a 12-point loss at home on a Friday night. So the numbers don't paint a great picture. And honestly, I've got nothing outside of that to back it up other than Kansas State's terrible record in Boone Pickens and Chris Kleinman's losing record off of a bye week. But I don't know. There's just something about it. Now, I'll be there. I got my black jersey. Looks just as sharp as it does on the field, I'm sure. And we'll be loud. It's sold out. Got a concert before the game. You've got the basketball practice, open practice, a couple hours before the game as well. I'll be there. I'm sure we'll find something to talk about next week about it. But I hope that all the Oklahoma State fans are in Boone Pickens on Friday, and it's loud, and it's rocking, and the Cowboys pull one out and right the ship a little bit. Let's not start 0-2 in conference. Let's not start 2-3 and overall. Let's go get a win this weekend. Now looking at the picks for, or the games for the rest of the week, uh, we've got obviously Red River, 11 a.m. Texas coming in, ranked third in the country, taking on OU, ranked 12th in the country. Both of them 5-0, and both of them 2-0 and in conference. Neither of them's had a super close game. And you start looking at the numbers, and the numbers predict a 30-23 to 23 win for OU. But again, that can't take into the intangibles that exist in college football. So then you start looking at it, and you're like, okay, well, who has OU played? They got Arkansas State, not a great, not a great win. They got Tulsa, not a great win. They got Cincinnati, it's all right. Then you look at Texas' schedule, you're like, all right, well, Rice, not great. Wyoming, not great. Alabama, that's a solid win. Except Alabama's not that great this year. Their offense is struggling. But across the board, when you start looking at just talent level and Texas having the better resume coming in, I would expect to see a close game but a win for Texas, which is not great for the doomsday scenario, but we'll get into that later. Also this weekend at 3 o'clock, we've got Kansas taking on UCF at home. You boil down the numbers and they're looking at a 32-28 win for UCF. 
I'm going to steer clear of that and probably pick Kansas only because UCF has not looked the same since losing John Rice Plumley. 7 p.m., you've got the Butt Bowl, Baylor taking on Texas Tech at home for Baylor. Numbers have Tech winning 31-24. I've also got Texas Tech winning this game, and I don't know that it's by a touchdown. And then also at 7 p.m., you've got Iowa State at home against TCU. The numbers have TCU winning 29-21, and I would expect that to hold up. Uh, I've got TCU winning that game. On a bye this week, you've got BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and West Virginia all taking a week off. All right, Pete's projections for this week through week five. The doomsday scenario that I've been talking about is happening. You've got OU at 1, 12-0, 9-0. Texas at 2, 11-1, 8-1. I would expect, expect those to flop. Like I said, I've got OU uh, losing this week to Texas. Uh, at number three, you've got Kansas State at 10-2, 8-1. Uh, four, you've got UCF at 9-3, and 6-3. Five is West Virginia at eight and four, six and three. Six is BYU at eight and four, five and four. Seven, TCU, seven and five, five and four. Eight, Kansas, seven and five, four and five. Nine, you've got Cincinnati, six and six, four and five. That's the last bowl eligible team in the Big 12. And at 10, you've got Tech at four and eight, three and six. 11, you've got Iowa State, three and nine, two and seven. 12 Oklahoma State, 3 and 9, 1 and 8, and a flip-flop here at at 13 and 14. You've got Houston at 3 and 9, 1 and 8 at 13, and Baylor at 14 at 2 and 10, 1 and 8. So again, that's OU 1, Texas 2, Kansas State 3, UCF 4, West Virginia 5, BYU 6, TCU 7, Kansas 8, Cincinnati 9, Texas Tech 10, Iowa State 11, OSU 12, Houston 13, and Baylor, 14. Now, the current standings through five weeks paint a weird picture for the Big 12. If the hateful eight and the incoming teams want to keep OU and Texas out of Arlington in December, some crazy things are going to have to happen. Currently, you've got Texas at one, OU and t- OU at two. Then you've got the team nobody expected, West Virginia, at two and O in conference at number three. Then you've got Kansas State, 1-0 and at number 4. So what's going to have to happen to keep OU and Texas out of Arlington at this point, assuming none of those teams after that just light it up the rest of the year, what you're going to have to see for that to happen is OU to win this weekend over Texas and then to drop two games to West Virginia, BYU, or TCU. Now those are also their last three games of the season. And I could see them losing to West Virginia or TCU. I think the BYU game in Provo would be tough for them, but I see them coming out with that win. Now, Texas, coming off the loss in Red River, would have to drop a game later in the season, either to Kansas State, TCU, or in the final week against Texas Tech. Now, with both of them having two losses in conference, and assuming West Virginia and Kansas State don't drop a game somewhere that they're not supposed to, you would see West Virginia and Kansas State in Arlington in December. That would be five different teams in three years, Kansas State being the only one to do it twice, to be in Arlington for the championship. It would also keep OU and Texas out of the championship game for the last three years, Texas since God even knows when, and would be the dream scenario 
for everybody left in the Big 12. Nobody wants to see these teams succeed in their last year. And some crazy things are going to have to happen because as much as I hate to say it, Texas looks pretty good. And as much as I hate to say it, OU looks pretty good. But I would love to say that West Virginia runs the table, Kansas State runs the table, and we see both of them in Arlington in December rather than having another Red River championship game on their way out the door. That's what I'd love to see. Other things that I would love to see is Oklahoma State basketball. They've got an open practice Friday, 2.30 to 3.30 before the game. Show up, see what they have to offer. I have no idea what they're going to do, but I'm going to be there taking notes. And for anybody that can't make it, tune in next week and I'll talk about it. But the roster that Mike Boynton's put together has got talent top to bottom. You've got Bryce Thompson coming back. You've got John Michael Wright coming back. You've got Keon Williams coming back. The additions of the new players, some of them very highly touted recruits. This is another year where Mike Boynton's got the guys and now all he has to do is go win. And I hope he can do it. I like Mike Boynton, but it's time to start winning games. In other news, it seems like Mike Gundy has switched his tone on NIL, saying that it's super important for the success of the program and that folks with a purpose is doing great things and without them, he doesn't know where we would be. But it's kind of too little too late, right? You're already 2-2, two 0-1, and two, oh and one, with no guaranteed wins left on the schedule. And you've already had a, max, a mass exodus of players in the portal last offseason, and it looks like we're headed for the same thing. Then in comes some very gracious people donating a whole bunch of money to Pokes for the Purpose, and it puts just a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Maybe we can turn this thing around. Maybe it's not all doom and gloom. Now don't get me wrong, the panic button is still firmly pressed here. I still think Gundy's a little hard-headed and stubborn, a little old, and that the best thing that he could do for this university, if he's actually checked out and just doesn't have it anymore would be to retire at the end of this season but if you say that on twitter then you got people coming back at you like hey he's the best thing to happen to this football program which is true and he's only making seven and a half million dollars a year that's not that high well it's top 15 in the nation and we're not currently a top 15 program in the nation but the difference between Gundy's $7.5 million and Luke Fickle's $7.5 million at Wisconsin is that Mike Gundy's $7.5 million makes up 7.3% of our athletic budget. That is the highest percentage in the nation. Followed by Dabo Sweeney at Clemson, Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss, Josh Heupel at Tennessee, and Jonathan Smith at Oregon State. So while that $7.5 million number... million buyout doesn't seem that high as far as what other coaches are making. The percentage of the athletic budget that it takes up is the biggest chunk in the nation. For what? And what that does, in my opinion, is Gundy takes a step back and says, well, they can't afford a $25 million buyout. What are they going to do if I go 2-10? Fire me? They can't afford to. I'm already locked into this contract, so they can't lower my pay. I could do absolutely nothing for the next five years and still make $25 million. Just seems complacent. We haven't seen the fire and the passion from Mike Gundy of old, running down the sideline, getting into refs, the rants and and media conferences. You just don't see it anymore. There's nothing wrong with that. As you get older, you typically do get a little more docile. 
But if you're going to be a college football coach and refuse to change with the times, i.e. not following NIL, not backing NIL, not working with the transfer portal, what you're going to get is a team going from a Big 12 championship game and two years later going to intent. And on the flip side of that, if you bring in a young, hungry coach that backs NIL, that uses the transfer portal to his advantage, what you'll see is Kansas State the last few years. Kansas State had trailed off at the end of Bill Snyder's tenure there, and they bring in a younger guy, and they're looking at two-peating a Big 12 championship. Wouldn't you love to be at that spot right now? Rather than staring down 2-10, and ten, wouldn't you rather be looking at getting a second Big 12 championship game in a row? knowing that when this conference changes again next year, you're expected to run it. And Oklahoma State is gone from expecting to run it right after OU and Texas announced their departure to now being at their departure and being expected to be at the bottom with the likes of Houston and Cincinnati and Arizona State. So who do you go get? I don't know. That's Chad Whiteberg's job. I don't get paid enough money for that. And honestly, I... Don't really care. All you have to do is go get a guy with a fair amount of knowledge, a lot of drive, and someone who cares about the players. Look at Mike Boynton. Got a fair amount of knowledge. He's got a whole lot of drive. He shows up to every sporting event, goes to a lot of events on campus, and then he cares about the players. That's how he gets the recruits that he does. Mike Gundy talks all the time about how it's hard to recruit guys to Stillwater. Josh Holliday does it. John Smith does it. Mike Boynton does it. Kenny Gajewski does it. The golf team has no issues. In fact, the only sport that does have issues getting good recruits is football. It's not the facilities. The budget is a concern. That needs to be at least doubled just to be on par with the middle of the Big 12. But Gundy's also claimed that they don't even go for those top recruits anymore because why would they come here? Well, they're definitely not going to come here if you never even call them. And the top recruit in Oklahoma, who's now going to OU, straight up said, I wanted to hear from Oklahoma State. My mother went to Oklahoma State. And they contacted me once, and then I never heard from them again. So here you have a guy that's got family that went to Oklahoma State, was interested in Oklahoma State, that you contacted once and then never called again, who's now going to OU when you could have got him to come to Stillwater. All you had to do was call him again. All you had to do was show him that you care a little bit. This is not the football of the 1980s, Mike Gundy. This is 2023. Athletes care about a handful of things. First and foremost, can you get me to the NFL? Will I be on TV? Will I have the facilities to train? Will I have the coaches to train me? Can I get to the NFL in your program? Oklahoma State checks that box. Number two, do the coaches care about me? That one's questionable. Number three, are there opportunities to make money through NIL? Not only for myself, but also for my family. That one's also questionable. But both of those things are things that are very easily fixed. And they did a little bit of it. They stopped referring to players by their number and started referring to them by their name to make it seem like they care a little bit more. Make it seem that way. NIL has had, you know, a bit of a boost in the last week. It's looking better. The fans are doing their part. So it's not just based off of brand anymore. 
Nobody picks a college based off of brand as much. It's still on the list, but it's not one, two, or three. They want to know, can they get to the NFL? Will the team and the coaches care about me? And will I have opportunities in NIL to take care of myself and my family? Then we'll start looking at brand and what other people think of that program. But first and foremost, you just got to call them. If they're not interested, they're not interested. But you'll never know if you don't contact them in the first place because you don't think you can get them. Now, that's future stuff. That's doom and gloom. That is what it is. But this Friday, we've got Kansas State. Right now, what we can do is prepare and go play our best game and win on Friday. There's not a game on this schedule that we can't win. There's a lot of games that we shouldn't, this one included. But there's not a game on here, there's not a team on this schedule that's not beatable. Every single one of them has a loss, except for OU. The offense needs to get in a rhythm. The offensive line needs to block somebody for more than half a second. We've got to get the ball to Brennan Presley, which Mike Gundy said they need to do. We've got to feed Ollie Gordon on the outsides as well as between the tackles. Got to get the ball moving at a steady pace. Got to score points. Got to get over 30 points once in the last 12 months. And the defense has got to shore up the coverage on the backside while keeping the tackling crisp. This game is winnable. Mike Gundy has proven that he can do it for his entire tenure at Oklahoma State. Chris Kleinman has proven that he struggles a little bit coming off a bye week. Go win this game. Prove everybody wrong. And then maybe we can talk about keeping your job. Maybe. But that's what I got. That's what I got for this week. If you liked what you heard, give us a like and a follow. You can find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and on YouTube. If you want more from me, you can find me on Twitter at Pete's Playbook. Other than that, I appreciate you guys tuning in. And until next time, see ya.